I didn't even know I was getting evicted until he, I didn't even know I got evicted. The judge ruled for me to get out until two weeks ago when I talked to the landlord when he said he was gonna lock me out on the 30th. This is my living room for the past five years. My landlord's been trying to evict me since January of this year. The only reason he hasn't, I have not left here yet is because of the moratorium that ends at the end of this month. This is my firstborn that passed away. And I think it really should continue because we're going through another cycle of COVID. Now we got the Delta variant out, you know? And a lot of us, we, with our health problems, we, we're, we're out here at risk. You know, if I, ha I, can't, I can't even be without electric because I have breathing machines. Where am I gonna go and plug in my breathing machine at night? We're only on a fixed income. Oh, I got anxiety, I'm nervous, I can't sleep. He's threatening to come here on the 30th and throw my stuff out and change the locks. And if he does, you know, I lose everything and I'll have nothing, I'll be homeless. It's not that I want to live here for free. I, I don't want to live here for free. I know wherever you go in life, you got to pay. But I'm just asking to be reasonable. Why can't you take the rent relief? You know, they pay, they'll even, they're even, even in the paperwork, it says they're going to pay like two months in advance. At least by then, two months, I can save up a quite a bit of money and get it, put a down payment on somewhere else to move and you'll have your money that we owe you and we'll be moving out. I have no idea where I'll go, what I'll do. We ha haven't been really saving money because we've been putting what we have towards the my brother Joseph. Um, we live together, also my wife, soon to be wife. Um, we are currently getting evicted due to not paying our rent, but we have been paying our rent. We just can't come up with the full amount. understand the audience is presumed to be laypersons and people who are politically active and people who are interested in how they can engage in uh, struggle with mm -hmm. the uh, with the power structure and with the corporate uh, uh, hegemony so uh, let's go go from there so who moderates this I'm happy to do Daniel. it I'm happy to do it okay terrific all right, so otherwise for, he gets cranky. That's right. Uh, <laughs> fall, fall into one of my moods. Mm -hmm. um, so my job is mostly to irritate Daniel. That's correct. That is his primary job. Well, you're doing a good job. I can see. You're like right, you're I, like cat yeah. dander. You just get you know. I have a rash. So first, we wanted to say something about the moratorium because that's it's going to be hot news here soon. So. Um, which moratorium? What are the, you talking the, about? Sorry, eviction the, moratorium is what you got. You got to like. You got to. You got to like explain so I'll, that because not everyone it. reads the it. news. So, um, since the pandemic began, we all know that um, eviction has been a primary issue. You can't really um, quarantine in place if you're going to be evicted, right? So, an eviction moratorium was set up. You know, um, 
federally and, you know, in, in, in different municipalities in different ways. And basically saying that um, even though you're not paying for rent, you cannot be evicted from your house. But all the eviction moratorium really does is allow your debt to accumulate without you being able to be physically thrown out. So at this moment, I think in one day, the eviction moratorium is up, which means that there are a bunch of people with back rent, a bunch of debt, you know, mm -hmm. months, years of, you know, thousands of dollars worth of payments that they can't pay. And um, they can be thrown out as soon as that is over. And where the law comes in, something me and Daniel were trying to organize on a long time ago when this started trying to get ahead of it, was that um, if people have a bunch of debt, that's another person's asset, which means you have some type of leverage. But in order to leverage that, what we need to know is the law. So that's why we have, you know, Chris here to tell us about how, uh, what, what do you know about the eviction moratorium, like the language of it, and um, basically how you can leverage the moratorium as, um, you know, um, a, a renter, a tenant. Yeah, can I, can I tag one thing yeah. on there real quick first, too? I mean, I remember when we were thinking about the eviction, the moratorium on evictions, um, when we were <clears throat> trying to do stuff in Socialist Alternative and... Um, talking to a lawyer then and the, talking about the possibility of the cancellation of debts for built up back rent. And, um, the gentleman said to me, well, you can just forget that because the clause of the fifth amendment uh, right. says that it's unconstitutional to seize assets, to seize anything without due compensation. And so, um, he said, that's basically, you know, not, we were a talking to a state rep, uh, yeah. And a lawyer. He's a lawyer attorney. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so what's going to happen? Maybe first of all, we should say what's going to happen in a day. So, um, what I can tell you about the uh, in Chicago is uh, Chicago's uh, landlord tenant ordinance is one of the strongest in the nation. It was enacted in the eighties, and um, it. Um, provides a, um, a number of strategies to tenants to uh, defend eviction actions. So when a, when a landlord files an eviction action, it's actually two lawsuits in one, and it's referred to as a joint action because the one lawsuit is uh, a uh, request for the court to have you evicted, to have you thrown out of your house. And the other portion of the joint action is the, the landlord is also asking for a money judgment. So, the, so that's, the, that's the joint uh, part of the joint action. Um, for people who may not be credit worthy in the first place, and landlords know that a money judgment is probably never going to be collected if you're what's termed uh, judgment proof, a lot of times... Uh, the, the landlord will uh, agree to dismiss the money portion of the eviction if you agree on a date to vacate the premises. But as, as practical pointers, I've done some eviction work. I haven't done it lately in the, in the post-COVID uh, environment. Uh, the first thing you do in a Chicago eviction case is you go and you file an appearance 
and you file a thing called a jury demand. And jury demand uh, requires that your case is uh, is uh, subject to being heard by a jury. And the great thing about a jury demand is it gets transferred to another division of the court, so it ends up delaying the case another three weeks or a month. So that's 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 the first thing you do. And you mean if you're trying to defend? If you're trying to defend, defend your, your eviction, if there's an eviction filed against you, um, and and you're served or you're served by publication or served by substitute service, meaning first way you're served is the sheriff comes, hands you a summons and a complaint. Now, if you're good at climbing out the back window of your apartment, you might not see the sheriff, but eventually there'll be a notice posted on the door, which is called substitute service. And if that doesn't work, sometimes there's a service by publication where your name and court Case number is published in a newspaper of general circulation. But uh, in any case, when you when you appear, you file a jury demand, and the next thing you do is you make as many uh, notes or records or photographs of the substandard conditions in your house. And a great thing about the Chicago Building Code is it's almost impossible to comply with every aspect of the Chicago building code. This one I know a little bit about. And and when you when you do that, again, this is vexing uh, to your landlord. And actually, I want to point out, uh, since we're at the end of the evictions and the evictions uh, haven't started up, the best thing to do, you know, the best uh, defense is a good offense. The best thing to do now is already to begin to file complaints mm-hmm. with the city um, there's a website called IllinoisLegalAid.org that tells you how you can file complaints with the uh, housing department and demand repairs to the uh, to the city. And there's another. Uh, uh, I, I'll just go over very quickly and then uh, let other people get in. There, there's a uh, a motion. If you go in to contest a foreclosure, you filed your jury demand, and you've uh, presented uh, uh, a laundry list of defenses and other defenses commonly used in the Illinois uh, Chicago uh, Landlord-Tenant Ordinance is landlords are required to sequester security deposits in separate bank accounts. And 90% of small landlords don't comply with that. So... There's a motion. Uh, you can find the language uh, in various self-help sites uh, like IllinoisLegalAid.org, and you file a motion, uh, a defense, an affirmative defense that uh, your landlord is not uh, abided with that uh, 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 provision of the ordinance. So the, the last one, and then I'm, I'm pretty much done with my uh, – part on landlord-tenant, there, there's a, a motion, a landlord will make a motion after you begin to defend a case and you've successfully managed to extend the case a couple of weeks, the landlord will make a, a motion called a UNO, and a UNO is called use and occupancy. And the UNO motion says that, okay, even if the toilet's broken, or even if there's a hole in the ceiling, or even if the steps are are um, wobbly or cracked or the paint's peeling, 
you're still entitled to some, you still must be required to pay some sort of rent. So that's why it's imperative that you gather as much evidence as you can of the substandard um, condition of the building and be able to present that, uh, be prepared to present that to the court at the earliest uh, juncture. So that's what I know about the RL, RLTO. All right. Um, just one quick question. Um, what are some of the, I guess, um, complaints that are commonly not addressed in an apartment? Like I know in my apartment, if I was to use this strategy, this offensive strategy, I know that the paths of egress in my building are not up to code. I know um, that we don't have um, the windows are not up to code. I know the electrical outlets, there aren't enough in the building. Um, half of them don't work, so people can check that. But I'm wondering if there's anything else that you can identify. It sounds like you got a great case. Um, there's there's things, for example, if the mailboxes are not locked or the mailboxes uh, are subject to public access, there's, there's literally an encyclopedic uh, laundry list of uh, Chicago building code. But again, I think the best thing for uh, people listening to this who are concerned about it is don't wait for the landlord to file a eviction. Uh, you know, call the building uh, department, call the uh, 311 and, and find the right uh, agency to file your, your complaint with now. And, uh, and those are, so those are the legal remedies. There's also other political remedies we talk about, like forming tenant unions and, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and doing that. So, All right, Marco, got any thoughts? I mean, when this uh, moratorium on evictions uh, ends and all, these, all this money and debts, they fall due, some people are going to be in a lot of trouble. What do you... Uh... And is the process different in um, California than it is in... I I, 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 you know, to be honest, I, I haven't been following it closely enough to to say anything technical. I do know that courts are are um, at least here in California, they are backlogged because they can't see as many cases as they normally do because they they they, they sh so because they want to have social distancing and all of that. So so I know that, for example, I just got an, an email from the L.A. County Bar saying that criminal cases have been pushed back at least two weeks. You know, so all the, all the judges just granted two weeks of extra time for everyone. And if they're doing that with criminal, which is usually priority number one for mm -hmm. everything, mm -hmm. they're definitely doing that with sort of minor civil stuff like like filing. A, I mean, minor. It, I I mean, minor because it's, it's you know, but, but an eviction is not that big a priority for a court versus, say, like someone's murder trial. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it, it just so there's definitely going to be a backlog. Um so that might give people some time, but yeah, I think the idea that that uh, uh, a good offense is the best defense is is definitely important. Um, and I think it's it, it's also looking at the um, at the different things in the code is also important because there is this sort of idea in property law of, of an implied warranty of habitability that that you where you were living needs to be habitable for you to you know, mm -hmm. pay rent, et cetera, and that you have the right to demand that that be the case. So things like, you know, the 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 water heater not working or things like that are very important. But there are things that don't even interfere with the habitability of the place that are still going to be violating the code. So it doesn't have to be that level. But if it's at that level, you get even more 
leverage, right? Anything that really interferes with your ability to enjoy the property that you're renting is really going to be because that then you can even start deducting from the rent, you know, and things like that. Or if there's something broken and they won't fix it and you fix it, you might be able to to be like, well, I fixed that. So, you know, you got to take that off, you know. So there's all sorts of things like that. But one of the things with legal remedies that that is problematic for sort of revolutionary left-wing things is that they're always very specific to the particular case that you're dealing with, right? Like you can give general ideas, but each person's case is going to be very narrowly looked at, right? So you're going to have to, it's hard to give, you, you can give general advice, but then for your individual case, you're going to really have to kind of look at the very specifics of your case. Um, on that, the, the, the revolutionary aspect of how it might, might make it work. What do you, what do you think about the idea since it is very specific? If you were to have just like, you know, a thousand extremely specific cases, doesn't that work for it? It, it, it disadvantages the tenant as much as the courts. So if you fill the courts with a bunch of complaints, that's going to, you know, yeah, I mean, a if you can get if you can get organized and file a thousand cases, that's definitely going to make a mess. Right. Because they're not they're not built to deal with in normal times and they're definitely not built to deal with that right now. Interesting. So what you're saying, that would be a matter of organizing, right? right. That that's you individually can't do it. You need to get some kind of like, right. union, or, you know, you need to get some kind of thing worked out in your, in your particular jurisdiction to deal with that. Right. But then, so so the idea on the table is that through organization, we could jam up the legal system to make sure that evictions don't happen. Well, or, or at least, or at least push not. them back a right. long, long time, right? Because I mean, there's, there's, there's a backlog. I mean, I had like a just a small claims thing that I was doing for for the company I work for, and it got pushed back like eight months. You know, like I ended up dealing with some small claims thing from like 2018, last year, almost at the end of the no, this year actually. So I got put it, it almost ended two years later getting resolved because of the COVID stuff, right? So from and, 2019, sorry. Why, yeah. we're, why we're talking about the political uh, philosophy uh, aspect of this, uh, I want to gently criticize um, Chicago uh, DSA has had a program for a couple of years now called uh, Lift the Ban. So in Illinois, a right-wing um, uh, group, uh, actually Alex, the, the, uh, the national group that drafts uh, state legislation, um, for for right right wing minded people, and basically hands it to state legislators, uh, state legislators, and and gets it passed. So Alec passed a bill in Illinois that bans rent control, and bans municipalities, even though Illinois is a home rule state, which is supposed to allow counties and municipalities and other entities to uh, to to pass uh, rent controls um, unlawful. And uh, there's a lobbying effort to repeal the uh, ban on rent control. I've always been critical of it because I've said instead of a lobbying, which is a top-down approach, we should have a a bottom-up approach, which we should go to apartment buildings that have 10 units, 20 units, 30 units, 50 units, and organized tenant unions. And then under simple uh, principles of, of agency, agency law of, of being a representative, have people who are representative. So if we had the, um, you know, uh, 25th street, uh, you know, 
tenants union and we had a building on 25th street we could go to court as a preemptive before before getting evicted and say you need to fix the heat doesn't work or there's broken windows whatever and bring that myriad of uh grievances about the landlord and and have a uh uh surprise uh, a preemptive strike at the landlord but but when we spend our time asking state legislators to uh, to do stuff for us, to repeal legislation for us, we haven't organized um, on the ground. So we need to be on the ground and have um, tenants uh, empowered uh, and ready to uh, to resist. So the other thing that came to mind while while you were talking is um, two things. First of all, if you do get a judgment, if you haven't paid rent in uh, a year and a half and you owe $15,000 and you do get a $15,000 judgment, depending on your general economic uh, status, you can go to bankruptcy court and file a chapter seven bankruptcy. Now, if you have something to lose, uh, that gets a little dicey, but assuming you're, you, you have no assets, as so many people do, um, you can do that in a later stage of a... Um, of a of a eviction action like let's say you're in the house two months and three months by filing the uh jury demand and filing a um uh affirmative defenses based on building code violations then you can go the last month and file a, a chapter seven and that will again delay it some more because the landlord would have to file a, a thing called lifting the um uh help me marco lifting the stay so the the, the so to, yeah because because as, as soon as you file a bankruptcy action it basically freezes everything else that everyone else is doing everywhere all and then collection. the bankruptcy court has to kind of like you know say well you can do this you can do that but that's going to take a while because the bankruptcy court has to kind of like look at everything at that point and decide what can be done and what cannot be done mm. so there's a stay on everything as soon as you file in bankruptcy court so so and that could take months the, the stay know? the stay is the attorney's uh expression for meaning the cessation of all debt collection so as soon as you file a chapter 7 bankruptcy all debt collection is ceased and to continue debt collection actually can turn again turn into a uh, counterclaim for you can uh, turn into a hmm. valuable asset because if you can if a debt collector contacts you after you file a chapter 7 bankruptcy you have a, a valid lawsuit against that Debt collector. You, at that point, they're supposed to stop, you know, contacting you, et cetera. Um, so basically, it puts everything on hold. It just pauses everything immediately upon the filing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the bankruptcy proceeding is almost like you throw cold water on everything that's happening, and everyone's got to freeze. And you know, the the downside not. to the bankruptcy proceeding is that people' uh, credit rating will be affected. Now, in my opinion, people overestimate this. In my opinion, yeah. people are too reticent to file bankruptcy because they say, oh, it will hurt my credit. That's why it's a very uh, middle class kind of thing to obsess about one's, one's credit rating. Uh, in fact, my experience is if you file Chapter 7 bankruptcy, within a year, people will be sending you credit cards in the mail and offering. You just won't have the, the, the best uh, interest rates. Uh, but but you'll, you, know, you won't be... Uh, uh, you you'll have some access to credit because because they can't make money without loaning money. Banks banks simply can't make money without extending credit. Yeah. So 
I I fully agree with that. People tend to have this weird prejudice about entering into bankruptcy, especially like middle class people. Um, that is to some extent unfounded. If anything, you are helping yourself in the long run because you're getting rid of debt that you can't handle. And so that will actually long-term help you anyway. So, you know, I mean, it, it's something that you, again, you have to see an attorney individually to make sure that it makes sense for you. Um, so like no one can give you legal advice. So you know, on check a with your doctor sort of if base. xylitol works for you. What? Check with your doctor if xylitol works. Well, yeah, for you, I mean, you you have to because because the, the the way that I mean the way that the legal system is set up that the, there's there's like a sort of general set of rules, right? But you gotta like plug in the facts to actually know what's gonna come out at the other mm -hmm. end, or to have a general idea of what's gonna happen with that set of facts, right? Mm -hmm. And and so for that, you need to actually talk to someone individually, but. That being said, people exaggerate the impact of bankruptcy mm -hmm. on their financial health in the long run. Usually people come out better than they went in, not mm -hmm. worse. Well, it is sort of perverse, really. I mean, like, I, I let's say I owe $15,000 in back rent and I don't want to declare bankruptcy because it'll hurt my credit. But I mean, you know, Michael Hudson always says debts that can't be paid won't be paid. If you can't pay it, you can't pay it. And so you're going to have to do bankruptcy if if you're facing that, if there's no other way to get out from under that debt burden. And so maybe we should talk yeah. about bankruptcy. The, another, another important thing, this is an important point um, related to if you have debt and you don't declare bankruptcy, let's say you owe 15,000 bucks. Now this changes state to state, mm -hmm. but there is a point at which if the person that you owe money to has not taken you to court for that debt, mm -hmm. their ability to take you to court prescribes. Right. Like at some point, they can no longer take you to court unless you make the mistake of saying after that term that you intend to pay them. Hmm. So like after three, let's say after three years, it depends. You owe $15,000 to X. After three years, they can no longer take you to court for that debt. Really? Really? But if you say, oh, I, I intend to pay you after those three years, you have reopened that. So after that prescription period, so once you determine that you can no longer pay something, you need to start saying, I'm never paying you. I'm never paying you. I'm never paying you. Because then you make sure that that term happens and it doesn't reopen. You know, and that I happens even, even with, um, I think, even with like private student loans. It doesn't happen with, with public, you know, with like, sort of public student loans with private ones it does so right now i'm going through collections for some of my not student loans but some of the the like residual money that i owed the school that i never play, paid um mm -hmm. and i got I, a letter in the mail from the debt collection agency that they uh off you know gave the debt to and um they're saying that they're suing me in court and it started to show up on my um credit report i'm just wondering because i i haven't I've been out of school for five years. If you have never made, I mean, you have to check, but if you know the, the specifics are going in, you know, but if you have never made any indication that you plan on paying them, no, and it's not, I mean, then <laughs> are they saying they're suing you in court? Have they sent you like a, a note, you know, like they yeah. actually served you or they anything? They sent me a notice through the mail. Um, it, that's, that's not that's not that's not actual like service though right no that, no one not, no one served me any papers 
Yeah, I mean, let's. I don't want to, you know, right. let's not get, but, but yeah, you, what you shouldn't do is tell them that you intend to pay them. Like, just don't say that. Yeah, okay. I mean, I was going to do nothing anyway because I'm lazy. Yeah, so so yeah. just tell, you know, I mean, but then you need to look at the specifics. The term might have prescribed and they might have no real recourse. Mm. I, I, anyway, I, uh, so let's just kind of skip. I, I need to interject. I, I did a very bad thing. Um, I forgot to uh, to add this disclaimer to whoever's listening, uh, and that yes. is that uh, none of this uh, discussion here is intended to be legal advice, mm-hmm. and it does yes. not form an attorney-client relationship uh, between myself and, and Marco and anyone listening to this uh, broadcast. So let's get that straight. So this is, you need to <laughs> consult an attorney. But I will tell you that many people – the $10 word is pro se. Uh, many people represent themselves, especially before administrative agencies and especially before, um, for, you know, more uh, lower level, smaller value uh, cases. Um, and some people do indeed um, file bankruptcies pro se. And there are resources uh, because we recognize that people filing bankruptcy probably can't afford lawyers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, there are resources out there for unrepresented uh, people. But, um, but yeah, so this is not an attorney-client re- relationship uh, mm-hmm. formed here. Yeah, that's the cruel irony because the people who need, who need it probably can't afford the lawyer. But um, I want to go back a second. You said uh, with Chapter 7 bankruptcy, um, people are afraid it'll hurt their credit. I mean... But you said, you know, within a year, they'll be sending you credit cards. Well, what about getting an apartment? Would that hurt your credit enough, badly enough that you couldn't get an apartment? Because I, you know, I just moved and here in Chicago, everybody says they want a 650 score. Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, based on that, then half the people in Chicago aren't qualified to get apartments. So um, it, it will impact. It, it certainly will impact. The question is, is the... Um, is the trade-off so are you going to be able to pay any kind of rent if you have to pay judgments or you have Mm -hmm. um um, wages being garnished Mm -hmm. so so the effect of having a judgment is that assets can be seized wages can be garnished um so you have to trade that off against uh your, your your credit score but not every landlord in the city of chicago requires a credit score many of them do but a lot of them, if you show up and and uh, show them the money, mm-hmm. you know they'll rent you an mm-hmm. apartment. So, um, but here's I, the perverse thing about that: if you have, let's say, fifteen thousand dollars that you have been twenty, you have twenty four late payments on, you're not going to have a six fifty score anyway, right? Right, your credit's so, already trashed. So yeah. your, your credit's already been destroyed. So that's kind of like you know telling you, oh, if in fact. You might be better off because if you went through bankruptcy, your landlord knows that you don't, no one has a claim on your income. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, your income is clean. Whereas if you have a bunch of debt that has not been paid, then 15 other people have claims on your income. Mm-hmm, right, right. I mean, it's clear. The landlord wants to know that you have disposable income of which they can have their piece. But, um, you know, it just dawned so the on The bankruptcy procedure literally clears your, your, your income stream. Right. right? So that's it, why it's it, good. It's clean, you know. So if you have a job that pays and you have a bankruptcy, they might actually be more likely to overlook that than if you right. have a job, but you have, you know, 
eight credit cards that are not paid and mm. you know and you have rent that hasn't been paid right the, the other thing they know is is if you file bankruptcy you can't file again for seven years so they know that their 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 judgment's going to be collectible mm. because you're not going to be able to discharge your debts for uh seven years after mm. having them discharged uh in chapter seven you know one more thing I, i'd be remiss if i didn't get in here when we're talking about evictions is there are some people who are particularly vulnerable, and that's our small children and persons with disabilities. And so you want to raise that in eviction uh, as soon as you can. You might even want to uh, file what's called a um, uh, restraining order um, to, uh, to uh, preempt eviction. So I just want to get that in there because sometimes we're, you know, we don't have mm -hmm. any uh, children on this panel or uh, persons with disability on the panel. So I just wanted to reference that. So they have a especially uh, vulnerable population. And those people should, uh, should make the court aware of that mm -hmm. as, as early in their case. You know, it also just dawned on me when you, you were speaking, um, the effect of credit scores and bankruptcy in, in people of obtaining living quarters, it, it dawned on me that, you know, you said if it's true that you have to have 650, then most of Chicago wouldn't have an apartment. It just dawned on me all the places I was looking at, they were saying we want 650 or less. And then I thought, damn, uh, that's just a certain segment of a certain kind of place with certain kind of people. And then I thought, hmm, the whole credit system seems to be filtering who goes where. And so the class stratification in real estate and dwellings um, is mediated through this credit system. And, and then you have the class class baked into the it's almost like an allocation of people according to class mediated through a credit system and you end up in these places and then these other people end up in these other places it's a set of assumptions there's a set of assumptions about it and uh uh but i always remind myself that the institutions can't make money unless they loan money so if they they cut every they can't cut too many people off from uh from debt because that's they're selling debt that's what they do so Thank you